This is Created Equal Declarations, where we bring you extended conversations with some of the experts we've been lucky enough to speak with. I'm Laura Weber Davis. Today we have a conversation for you with the team from The Undefeated. It's a website that launched this year from ESPN. The Undefeated covers sports and music and culture, all decidedly from the perspective of black journalists. The website gets its name from poet Maya Angelou, who said, We may encounter many defeats, but we must not be defeated. Created Equal co-host Stephen Henderson recently spoke with the undefeated staff writer Justin Tinsley and managing editor Raina Kelly about the mission of the site, both in the media landscape and with the readers. Our mission uh, as part of the SPN is to live at the intersections of race, sports, and culture. We don't, it's our beat, it's our, it's our world. And what's interesting about that is, is, is that there's a recognition. Everyone does this, right? Everyone says, it's just a game. But some of our largest conversations about some of our largest problems in this country have come out of sports controversies. Yeah. Um, I think one obvious one that's come out of the last three, four years is the problem with what people are calling uh, the rape culture. Um, we've talked about hazing. We've talked about socioeconomic opportunities. But one of the things that's very much been left on the table is how sports interacts with race and how it either retards or promotes the conversation. And the undefeated just started with a mission right off the bat, which is that this exists. Sports is a very big part of any discussion you have about race in America. And we're going to start there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's going to be our, that's going to be our main lens into being black in America. Uh, And there is never a failure to find um, Colin Kaepernick notwithstanding. There's never a failure to find content around that. Uh, and I think one of the reasons is something that you very well said, which is that there are so many people who actually watch sports and are engaged emotionally in a way that people are not engaged emotionally in many other aspects of our culture. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Super Bowl is the one place where you can find nearly a billion people watching <laughs> one thing. Yeah, yeah, that's Including right. the commercials. Right. Right. So it's important we start there to have these discussions. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, uh, of course, if you write about race, if you talk about race, uh, if you ask other people to engage in discussions about race right now, of course, uh, there there is a tension there. Uh, lots of folks, uh, when I write about race in the newspaper or talk about it here on the program, I get a blowback from people saying, you are inserting this into the culture. You are inserting this into the discussion, and it wouldn't be there but for you. You are, you are creating the issue. You are creating the problem. I would imagine that on the very first day the Undefeated launched, you probably, you probably heard a little bit of that as well. We still do. I mean, you know, Colin Kaepernick brought a lot of it to the fore. Um, it's such a strong topic that so many people feel so strongly about, we definitely got a lot of, hey, 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 
this is ESPN. I, I want to know how the Yankees did. Are they going to make the playoffs? I don't need this inserted into this area of my life. And my, my answer, and I don't mean to be flip, but it is actually true, is that race is inserted into the Constitution, into the founding documents of our country. Yeah. So to say that race is inappropriate in any other aspect of American life, I think is not to see what America, what American life actually is. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have had this debate, this tension over race since, you know, the 16th century, 17th century. Since Africans were brought here for the first time, sure, absolutely. Justin Tinsley, I'm curious, uh, first about your background. Uh, You're now a staff writer at The Undefeated, but I'm curious about what brings you to this role, that that, that journey. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, I didn't have the, I guess, traditional background to, you know, background or resume to get to ESPN. A friend of mine, a fraternity brother, came to me and said, hey, I know somebody who works at ESPN and I would like to forward, you know, your writing samples over to her because I, I like what you write. Now, you know, to be perfectly honest, it was homecoming and, you know, we all know the type of things that go on at homecoming. You know, everybody was drinking. What so. would those things be, Justin? I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> well, about. Well, look, hey, look, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to keep it G-rated. So, it, it, you know, people, you know, people were having a good time. He was like, I know somebody who works at ESPN. And, you know, once drinks are flowing, everybody knows everybody once drinks start flowing. I'm like, all right, well, I don't really believe you, but go ahead. And lo and behold, he actually did. And. <laughs> Literally from November 2014 until I moved to I, I moved uh, to Los Angeles because that's originally where the site was going to be based out of. Um, it, it happened in the process of two months, and before that, I just did freelance writing for a lot of different publications for about six or seven years. And um, before I came to ESPN, I was actually working at the Housing Authority and their communications department. Oh wow! And I did freelance writing from like 10:30 to like three in the morning, so I would only get like three four hours of sleep a night. Um, yeah, that that that's my journey. I, I w- you know, I wish I could say, you know, I was a Pulitzer Prize winner at the New York Times, and Raina had to beg me to come here and leave my, you know, four story condo in right. the Hamptons, but it, it never happened like that. I was living you with my mom me before a New York this job. Times writer with a four story condo, and I will tell you that I would not have begged yeah. you. <laughs> that's right. Something I else is going right on. Right where there. you are. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so so let's talk about some of the, the stories that, that jump out at me that you've done recently, Justin. And, mm-hmm. and I want to start with uh, feeling real black right now, which I just mm-hmm. I just love this story, uh, which, of course, is about uh, the dream, uh, Terrius the Dream, Nash. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but it sort of uh, it, it brings together not just uh, a story about him. He's unusual in and of Himself, uh, right. this, this sort of black uh, singer-songwriter who lives in a pretty country space, um, mm-hmm. uh, but but you bring that together with some other sort of cultural touchstones. I just thought was really really interesting. Talk about that story. You know, it, at first the the piece was never supposed to be as I guess the right word to use is serious because. The 20th was his 39th birthday, and uh, I'm a big fan of his music, so I, it was really supposed to just be uh, in and out piece, like, hey, this guy's a great singer, he's a great songwriter, he's had this impact on, you know, the modern generation of music. But 
When I got home late, I believe it was Monday night, uh, a friend of mine, he sent me a text. He was like, hey, man, you really need to watch this video from Tulsa. And to be perfectly honest with you, I told him, I don't know if I can watch any more videos like this. You know, I'm look, I'm, I'm tired of I'm tired of seeing people lose their lives yeah. on camera. And he was like, no, man, you really need to watch it. And I watched it and it, it impacted me in a certain way. And I was like, well, I want to write about this, but, you know, I'm already on the schedule to write about the dream. And I'm like, all right, well, how can I somehow combine the two? And then it hit me. And I remember hearing this song about two, two summers ago. And I was like, well, maybe I can somehow infuse what he was talking about with this song, kind of like just infuse the two. And that's honestly how it happened, man. And I just love doing that because I really believe that music is the soul of life in a sense. And I see how I can relate it to everyday life. And that's all I've ever really wanted to do with music, with sports. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that somebody like LeBron James is good at basketball. You don't need me to tell you that Whitney Houston is a great singer. But if I can tell you a story about them, if I can relate that to, you know, a current event or what's going on in the world, I believe that that piece will resonate more and two, it will have a, a, a longer shelf life. Yeah. So that's I, that's all I've ever wanted to do. <laughs> Uh, Justin, uh, that that story about uh, uh, Terrius, uh, the Dream Nash, uh, really weaves in very nicely the moment, the racial moment that we are sort of witnessing, I guess, uh, right now in America. I mean, you have a list of names that you say get turned into hashtags because of the things that are going on. Trayvon Martin, Sandra Bland, Ayanna Jones, Tamir Rice, uh, Philando Castile. I find right now that it's really difficult to find ways to keep to keep that racial moment in front of people in a way that that gets them to think about it. As a journalist, uh, it, it's difficult to come up with ways to write about it that I think don't fall into sort of predictable patterns that people can can easily say, well, yeah, I get that, but that's not about me. Uh, yeah, I see that, but that doesn't have anything to do with my life. And I think uh, here where you're combining music and those things, it's sort of a backdooring uh, of, of these kind of issues. Uh, what, what kind of response, though, did you get from people about that piece? For the most part, it, it was all great. Now, of course... <laughs> The internet is the internet, so you're gonna have some people <laughs> like, "Hey, whoa, whoa, what, what the hell are you thinking? Why are you writing this?" Um, but I, I always call it the 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 Matthew McConaughey and the Time to Kill moment. Uh, right? You know, you, you can talk about these issues over and over and over again, but and, you know, some people can say, "Hey, this doesn't affect me. This doesn't bother me." And I'm like, "All right, well, maybe it doesn't." And you know, if it doesn't bother you, then look, consider yourself lucky. But close your eyes for a moment and imagine. Um, that person sitting in the car or told to get out the car, or told to raise their hands and walk back towards the car or whatever happened. You can just take a name that you just named, whether it's Trayvon, whether it's Ayanna Jones, whether it's Philando Castile, whether it's Sandra Bland. We can keep going. I can keep naming names for about two hours now, but I don't know how much time we have on here. But <laughs> take any person in that situation, close your eyes and imagine that person was either yourself or imagine that person was your girlfriend, your brother, your sister. And then it hits home because I think. When we say these people are hashtags, I mean, they are hashtags, but they're also people. And there are families out there that, you know, every time I see Trayvon Martin's mother, I, I, I get emotional because it's like, hey, she's one of the strongest women I've never met, but that I see on a, on a constant basis. And 
while yes you know her son became a hashtag he became a launching pad for a larger conversation that's still her son and i think people need to remember that these are actual people that lose their lives yeah. you know they're never the same again so i think i all i want to do is hammer that notion home because it could easily be myself i've had run-ins with police and every i was talking with a buddy of mine the other day and you know we had a it's you know it was long before i got here and something happened as to where you know we were pulled out we, we were asked to get out of the car or put our hands on the car search the car obviously nothing was found and we didn't know what was going on we didn't know why they pulled us over and we talk about it all the time it was like hey look if you could if if you might have sneezed who knows who knows what ha- what would have happened you know they could have said you were reaching for something they could have said i was reaching for something so all these situations they're not just news events they're 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 like real life situations because i've been in i've been in them my friends have been in them i'm sure reina has been in them i'm sure you know you can talk to a lot of people these are relatable situations that happen unfortunately all too often so when you try to infuse all i want to do is infuse that in in my writing i'm not saying i'm the greatest writer in the world but i just want to infuse an element of realism and i think if i can combine music into it because everybody loves music sure and there's a lesson behind a lot of music that comes up and i think if you can find uh not to use the word intersection again but if you can find that intersection between real life art and now what we're doing at, at the undefeated real life art sports culture music i think if you can find that big potluck put it in a crock pot then you have an amazing dish that, yeah. you know, people can't <laughs> That's deny. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> um, uh, Raina Kelly, uh, managing editor at uh, The Undefeated. Uh, when you look at the site, um, sports, of course, is the first the first tab uh, on on the website, and, and it is a sports site. I mean, you're talking uh, about things that are going on in sort of the, the America's sports culture. Uh, but you also have a lot of these uh, other subjects in their own categories. And, and uh, one is HBCU, which uh, I thought was a really interesting category to include, be- partially because, of course, uh, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, don't get a lot of media coverage uh, at the national level. Uh, even regional papers don't write as much about them as, as others. But But here you guys have a whole section dedicated to them, and it's not just about sports it's also about uh what goes on at hbcus some of the challenges that they face but talk about that section and i mean uh, the the idea here uh, obviously is to appeal to a really broad cross-section of people but then you also are trying to give space to uh to discrete communities and i think there's always a tension between that right are are white people going to go click on the hbcu uh, tab and read those things how do you get them to do that i would imagine that these are things that you guys are are really talking about there well again i mean we have we are really looking for i'm gonna take a step backwards we need all kinds of people to read our site right in order to in order for it to be successful and so we try to serve an audience in a way that we hope, and again, we're like some 150 days old, in, a way, in ways that are both specific and general. Um, HBCU coverage is an, is an excellent example. One, I think there is a vast, maybe two generations, of lost knowledge about just how important a lifeline um, 
HBCUs are to African Americans and their own economic mobility. There are thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people who would not have had a college education gone on to be astrophysicists. Um, Not joking about that, actual astrophysicists, astronauts, doctors, um, uh, without the existence of HBCUs. Um, And, you know, they've always been a vital lifeline for the black community, and they're also a touchstone. So we want to cover that from a perspective of, you went to an HBCU, here's your coverage, we got you. You, you, you. you can't find it anywhere else, you can always find it here. Now, for the other people who come in, we're like, oh, you don't know what an HBCU is? Here's what it is, and here's what it does, and here's what the problems are, and here's what, you know, and here's what other people are doing to try to solve the problems. So it's always holistic, right? We start granular and build out um, in order to discuss an intersection. And an HBCU is an intersection. It serves, it solves a problem uh, for uh, African Americans and the college conundrum, mainly how to afford it, how to get in, where to go, uh, comfort levels, things like that. Um, And so... You know, we're all in. And, of course, we get to cover the bands. So, please. (laughs) Right? (laughs) You know, I mean, come on. Like, you know, and and, and that speaks to, you know, not to go on and on and on and on, but it's too late now. But that also speaks to another, you know, huge and very important mission of the site is that we seek to show black life in all its glory, holistically, 360 degrees. You know, we are not going to be 24 hours, seven days a week of what I call, because if you see it, I call it in mainstream media, um, ghetto gloom. That's all you ever see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, if there's a special story that's above the fold, <laughs> it's going to break your heart, right? And then if those are the only stories you see and you are not black or you are not from another world, you don't know black people, you assume that this is how all black people live. Which, of course, is not the case, and and all you got to do is go to the undefeated, really, and take a look. Take a look at the content there. Yeah, say it one more time. <laughs> say, uh, you record, can record, record it. That on my and... phone real quick. <laughs> Thanks to the undefeated managing editor, Raina Kelly, and staff writer, Justin Tinsley. They spoke with Created Equal co-host, Stephen Henderson. I'm Laura Weber-Davis. Thanks for listening. WDET's work with the Detroit Journalism Cooperative is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the Knight Foundation, and the Ford Foundation's Renaissance Journalism Project.